0: Welcome to Kingsnink.com's new podcast series. Uh, This is a new series of of podcast compatible downloads that we're going to be presenting, uh, talking to people in the pet and animal industry. Today we're talking to Jules Sylvester, who's a celebrity animal trainer and a reptile expert. And Jules has recently been working with with, uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Julianne Margulies, on the movie Snakes on a Plane, which has got a a lot of internet buzz going. And I know there's a lot of reptile people out there that are really interested to find out more about this movie. Uh, it's coming out soon. Jules, can you tell us a little bit about how you participated in the movie?
1: Yeah, I will, actually. Um, the the producer, a chap called Craig Berenson, who's actually one of Hollywood's nicest producers. <laughs> He's actually a really neat guy. He gave me a call, and... Um, He said, Have I got a job for you? And uh, I thought, Okay. And as you know, I I have a company called Reptile Rentals, and I supply um, reptiles, amphibians, frogs, alligators, and things to the movies. That's what I've been doing for the past 30 years here. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, Great, let's have the script. And it was called Snakes on a Plane. And I thought, Well, that's a strange title, and everyone pretty much knows what's happening there. There's no surprise. And he said, yeah, we may change it. And at one point, it was going to be Pacific Air 121, which is a very boring title, I thought. And they decided to stick with snakes on a plane. So um, they weren't too sure where they were going to shoot this, and it was up decided uh, they were going to shoot in Canada, Vancouver, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, about 1,500 miles away from where I live in Los Angeles.
0: And I imagine it's a little tough to encounter snakes for the plane.
1: Yeah, well, it, it, you know, it's always tough uh, when you're shooting in another country. It's like, okay, now what do we do here? Mm-hmm. And what I ran into, of course, was the CITES problem of taking, you know, pythons, cobras, um, and other species of venomous-type-looking snakes and anything that I had in mind <coughs> to take on the, on the shoot um, was sort of shot down in flames because I didn't have the three months that it takes to get somebody to sign a piece of CITES paper in Virginia or wherever it is. <coughs> Um, I had to sort of gather these snakes immediately, so we ended up, um, purchasing and, uh, and using a lot of corn snakes, king snakes, rat snakes, milk snakes, um, of various colors. Uh, ended up with about, a total of about 450 snakes, <coughs> and, uh, we drove these up to the Canadian border and, uh, took them into the, uh, customs guy there, very nice guy, Mike, somebody, I can't remember his name, but, uh, he's the, uh, Fish and Game uh, representative up there at the border. And he just goes through the list of animals that are not allowed and animals that need societies, and none of these societies are all regular homegrown boys. Stamps the paper. I said, would you like to see the snakes? And he goes, yeah, yeah okay. He yeah, it was it's one of those. Okay. And I showed him one box of snakes, and he says, great. And we were it. That was it. And it takes, you know, two or three hours of paperwork, because I didn't fill it all out. I wanted to make sure I had it done right the first time. Right getting in and out of Canada is basically simple you just have to have your paperwork in order
0: right It'll, right
1: and if it's not you know sighty stuff then you're pretty much in so
0: there you are in Canada with a bunch of boxes of live snakes yeah <laughs> and you haven't even started the movie and it's taken you endless amounts of fun yeah, to get it's there
1: it's taken me about two to three weeks to gather my 450 snakes okay um, some of them were Canadian garter snakes and uh, on hindsight that was probably a very poor choice they're just too small and too wiggly Uh So we ended up, I I gave them away. So um, we had, you know, about 300 snakes left after we sort of decided not to use the the Canadian garter snakes. Uh And I hired a local, my sort of my counterpart in Canada, in Vancouver, Uh a really good guy called Brad McDonald. Uh And um, he's just a great guy. And uh, he was a great help getting in and out of the border because he goes in and out fairly often because the border is right where he lives. And uh, we fixed up. They gave us a room uh, next to the stage, um, probably about 40 by 20, and we had it uh, sealed and uh, heated and electric- electricity put in there, and they built all our cages. We had uh, probably, I think, like 100 sliding drawers of Tupperware, one wow. the corn snakes, you know, the big tubs, mm-hmm. <coughs> and about 20 or 30, about 20 uh, bigger and smaller cages for the rat snakes and uh, the um, other stuff that we had. We had a lot of spilotes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Taiwanese rat snakes. And uh, giant, really big Florida king snakes. We had them all in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, had this, they built us all these cages, and we had uh, heat elements, everything on timer. Uh, it was actually really well, a good setup that Brad helped me fix up. And uh, there we sat. And uh, when the actors, uh, uh, um, what's the name? Uh, my, um, Samuel Jackson? Samuel Jackson, yeah. <laughs> I I got many, many friends who work with snakes, also called Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when, when they turned up, uh, they astounded the producers by saying that, um, you know, that everyone had signed their contracts. I guess but this is what I gather through the grapevine that their agents um, all of a sudden became concerned that they're working with snakes on an aeroplane, mm-hmm. and uh, passed on the decree that uh, the actors were not to be on the same aerop- aircraft as, as the snakes.
0: That kind of makes it problematic to shoot a movie called Snakes on an airplane when you can't have both of them in the same place.
1: I I think the producer, um, Craig, and uh, the director, um, Dave Ellis, Mm -hmm. were were really uh, sort of like astounded. I mean, uh, and that was pretty much, that was it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I don't think Samuel um, Jackson was actually afraid of the snakes at all. I think his... uh, his powers of be his agents. From what I gather, I mean, this may be just speculation, but I think they were a little bit concerned that he might get nailed and they'd use their, lose their ticket. <laughs> well, certainly
0: the, the insurance agency and the lawyers yeah. probably added to the mix, I'm, uh, I'm right, sure. We
1: start involving lawyers, and we, then we go down on double spiral right there. Exactly. Lawyers have killed more art than you can ever imagine. Anyway, so, but it worked out fine, and we had some uh, good doubles. We did a lot of second unit stuff. And uh, we had tons and tons of rubber snakes, and, of course, the computer graphics guys were in there. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those jobs where um, actually the, where the computer graphics, the uh, animatronics, for the fake snakes, the rubber snakes, mm-hmm. and us, we actually all work pretty closely together. And um, it was one of the, a joint venture with everything. I thought at one point that, I, that we were going to get completely computerized out, mm-hmm. but not so. Not so. It actually helped me more than anything. Because there are certain scenes where I just cannot put actors. With, we had a couple of albino cobras and mm-hmm. rattlesnakes, and uh, the snakes are just you know, highly dangerous that we just can't put near actors, obviously. Right. And uh, and they, they computerized people in and out of that shot. You know, mm-hmm. It was actually pretty good. Yeah. So they can add people, take them away. And it was all film, film tricks, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. How long did you work on the movie?
1: Uh, three months, I so
0: believe. Three months.
1: Yeah. It was Actually, great. It was three months during the summertime in Vancouver. Mm. It was uh, actually one of the best films I've ever worked on. This film was at my number, 332 films or something. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, you, you got your start uh, with Born Free, didn't you? Yeah, with the television series Born Free. i just uh, come out of the Rhodesian army in uh, Rhodesia in mm. 1974 when the war was on down in Rhodesia. Mm-hmm. And i just uh, come out of the army and I went north to Kenya where I lived. Mm-hmm to see my parents, and they had just started the television series Born Free, and they were filming on my dad's farm. Right. And I really didn't know what to do. I mean, it was literally one week I was in a tremendous ambush and a big shootout. and The next week I'm sitting in another country under a tree with none of my mates and no rifle. Yeah. And what do I do? I had no idea what to do. (laughs) It was really strange. And uh, this guy, the head lion trainer, um, who's actually my mentor, Hubert Wells, he... uh, Said, "Okay, well, we got a job for you. We need you, we need a lion keeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to help with the. I, I speak Swahili, so I'd have been helping with the the local Africans and liaisons and mm-hmm. getting the vehicles and their lions in and out of the cages and stuff." He said, uh, "We need you to help us out." And I said, "Well, you don't understand. Lions eat people. Now, I've lived in Africa all my life, and I have a lot of friends in the hunting industry. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, they all been chewed up." left and right, you know, by lions, pissed off lions. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, nah, man, lions eat people. I've never seen anybody put a chain on a lion. Mm-hmm. And all these guys are putting chains on lions and walking around like a dog. And so it's like, how weird is that? You know? Introduction to the movie industry, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so but you've, gotten, dogs, you've yeah. gotten to work with a lot of different animals, not just reptiles and oh, insects.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I can't actually name an animal that I haven't worked with. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, I mean, anything from box to zebras, I've done it. Um, not so much, uh, not my biggest love of my life, you know? <laughs> of them, some are, some are pretty scary. Yeah.
0: Well, um, a lot of people that come to our websites indicate that they would love to break into the industry like you have done. Yeah. But, but really it's not something that you can break into, it's something that you kind of fall into.
1: Yeah, it's, it's something, um, especially here in, in Hollywood and <laughs> in actually all the movies, um, in most of the movies, you have to be a union member. Yeah. You know? Um, especially in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, Hollywood is very tight with the unions, mm-hmm. and you have to be a member of the Teamsters mm-hmm. union, Street Local 399, mm-hmm. and that can be very, very difficult to get in. You have to have at least 30 days with an accredited union number working, and uh, then you know you have to go through the whole rigmarole of signing up and everything. And then it still costs you 1,500 bucks to join, mm-hmm. and then approximately about 300 bucks every three months to maintain. So you've worked
0: with, with literally hundreds of, of Hollywood uh, and television celebrities and personalities. Yeah. How many of them kind of take you aside after the show and say, hey, you know, when I was a little kid, I used to keep this? Or how many of them actually say, you know, I've got a pair of these at home right now, and they look great. You should check them out.
1: About every one of them.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah.
1: They've all had pets. You know, everyone, the, the brother or the sister of the kids have snakes at home. hmm and uh, it's actually quite interesting, the, the uh, huge, I mean, the really huge amount of people, I'd say 75% of the people I work with have at one time had a pet snake or a reptile. Yeah. I mean, it's really astounding. And it's something they, they remember fervently, it's something they really enjoyed. Yeah. You know, they, and then they all grew up. You know, unfortunately, I
0: didn't. Well, there's a few of them that haven't quite grown up. I I know a couple of them that hang around our site using pseudonyms. And, and yeah. uh, you know, they it's it's kind of tough to to be a celebrity and maintain any kind of hobby or personal life.
1: Well, yeah, because, you know, it leaves a chink in the arm, Exactly. In like that way.
0: Yeah.
1: But, uh, you know, it's it's a hell of a thing. Is, you know, I, I, only in America could you actually make a living doing this. hmm And what I I find here in America, you remember 20 years ago, people were trying in zoos to breed certain species of snakes. Mm -hmm. Now you've got 15, 16-year-old kids breeding this particular snake in their garage. Yeah. I mean, we've advanced so much. I find that absolutely incredible. And kudos for all those guys that are doing that breeding stuff. I find it just amazing. Because it, it it takes a lot of pressure off the natural stuff and mm-hmm. the stuff that you know used to be imported by the thousands. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, speaking of importing and buying snakes, you had mentioned that you you had to buy a number of snakes from the movies. Where do you go when you need to find snakes, either specific snakes or in mass? Do you have specific oh, yeah. well, people I, you
1: have go to um mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the times. I go to Cal Zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another fellow, Victor, that had California Reptiles. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave me a lot of uh, his beautifully colored. Uh, uh uh, corn snakes and king snakes and stuff that he had Mm -hmm. um i bought his sort of last of his breeding collection Mm -hmm. last year Mm -hmm. and he had some magnificent stuff And i bought over 100 snakes from him
0: yeah
1: and uh i I go to the the local local importers and stuff people that i trust Mm -hmm. um triple l reptiles been really great help you know lauren down there
0: yeah they actually Um, referred us to you
1: yeah yeah lauren he's a good lad yeah yeah he's he's helped me out a tremendous amount actually he's Mm -hmm. um Got good connections, and I, and I trust them. These snakes are in good shape, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you ever show up at any of the the reptile
1: shows in Southern California? Yeah, as often as I can if I'm not working. I try to get to the one in San Diego. I haven't been to the, the new place now. Um, mm-hmm. Where is it? Just before San Diego now. It's, mm-hmm.
0: uh, up in Orange uh, County, up at yeah, the uh, somewhere somewhere convention center. I'm not
1: exactly sure where it is. I know it's near the racetrack somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, you know, when you do go to those shows like it, it's actually quite surprising. Because I did those Discovery Channel things. -hmm. About three years ago. Yeah. And whenever I go there, people seem to remember those things, and it's it's really bizarre because I've I've sort of forgotten them.
0: It's the Discovery Channel and cable television is a lot like the Internet. Once your content is on there, it never actually really leaves.
1: I mean, I got a call yesterday from, um, I have a brother in Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, This is literally yesterday. He turned on the TV, and and there was an animal planet um, catching crocodiles in Australia, there you and that was something I did like three or four years ago, <coughs> and it's just very bizarre to hear that, and they were playing in South Africa and in England as well, <coughs> and somebody in Hong Kong saw a different program altogether, it's, it's quite bizarre, it's very, very worldwide right now. Well, the, and the
0: world is just so much closer as well, I mean, yeah. technologies like satellite TV and the internet have just, you know, brought it to the point where you can talk to your brother in Australia.
1: Yeah, it's, it's quite bizarre. <laughs> That's quite it's actually very cool
0: when did you start uh, when did you start yeah. keeping your reptiles or having an interest in reptiles
1: um, I started actually when I was 16 mm-hmm. I um, lived in Nairobi mm-hmm. and uh, we lived literally right next door to the Nairobi snake park mm-hmm. and uh, a 16 foot python apparently got loose I was at the bottom of our garden it was an African rock python called Sonia I remember it very well mm-hmm. and uh I saw it down there basking in the mud. So I zipped next door and told them the Python was down there. And these guys went round on a dirt track on the other side of the river on a motorcycle in a big gunny sack. Mm-hmm. And they did the uh, Steve Irwin dive on the <laughs> down the bank, roll around the mud. Ooh, yeah, uh, E-R, crikey, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And stuffed the 16-foot Python into a gunny sack and brought it back on the back of a motorcycle. And I thought that was a very, very cool job. And uh, asked for a job, and I ended up cleaning cages for about two years. Mm-hmm. But um, that was my first introduction. So I worked in Nairobi Snake Park for about two years on and off as a student um, keeper. And I was also catching snakes. They told me how to catch snakes. I caught, probably in my first couple of years, I probably caught about four or 500 snakes mm-hmm. um, around Nairobi in a place called Naivasha, where I also lived. Mm-hmm. And uh, caught a lot of uh, bush snakes, you know, the philopham irregularis, tons of pythons. Lots of puff adders, mole snakes, cobras, things like that. Um, It just sort of got my interest, and uh, I got sent off to Scotland Mm -hmm. to get a better education, and that didn't work out too well, so I ended up being a taxidermist, of all things, in George Street in Edinburgh, because that's the only job I could get with animals. (laughs) There's not a lot of snakes
0: in Scotland.
1: Uh, it sucked. It was bloody miserable. There was a lot of drugs. I think I was the only guy that wasn't a junkie in, in Edinburgh at the time. That was in the early sixties, mm-hmm. sorry, late sixties, early seventies.
0: And, and once you've caught an asp, you know that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So. And anyway, so I ended up. Um, I quit the taxidermy business because it was uh, the guy was going bankrupt and robbing me blind. Mm-hmm. And I joined the Edinburgh Zoo as a lion keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't want a, another snake man there, but I had the experience of snakes, um, probably more than anybody else in the zoo, but uh, there wasn't an entrance for me there. So I became a lion keeper, and I looked after the carnivores for a year. I, I did the uh, obligatory, you know, the the hat, the blazer, the mm-hmm. jodhpurs, and the boots, you know, like you see in all the cartoons. Mm-hmm. Has lion keeper written across my hat. So I had that for a year, and then I hitchhiked to Rhodesia. I was offered a job as an apprentice taxidermist with some friends of mine in Rhodesia. So I hitched to Rhodesia, which um, I stopped off in Ethiopia, met my folks, got some more money for bus rides and tickets and stuff, and handed on down to uh, Southern Africa, mm-hmm. and uh, became an apprentice taxidermist in Victoria Falls in Rhodesia. Well, no one told me there was a bloody war on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I did taxidermy for a while, and uh, my, my biggest uh, catching stuff over there was a lot of banded cobras. Yeah a lot of banded Egyptian cobras. I caught probably 50 or 60 banded cobras down there in a period of two years. And a total of about three to 4,000 snakes in a period of four years. I caught a tremendous amount of snakes down there. The place was actually crawling with reptiles. <coughs> and probably the best place in the world for a young man to grow up. Um, it was in Vic Falls. But then the war being the war, I got uh, drafted, as everybody else did, and we are running around the bushes chasing bad guys into Mozambique and Zambia and yeah, you know, that was kind of awkward. Actually, uh, while I was there... Countries that don't exist anymore. Right, yeah. You know, just, it's just very strange. You go back there and, uh, you know, the, the, the war ended in 1980. And for me, it's very, very uh, real still. Yeah. But uh, it, it's, that's the one time where I met a victim who had been bitten by a bomb slum. hmm And uh, it was a poor African who had fallen out of a tree. Had been bitten in the face and the chest by a bomb slung while he was getting honey out of a beehive and uh, we weren't supposed to be where we were supposed to be and uh, I couldn't let him go back to his uh, his village. He wasn't supposed to be there either. Mm-hmm. He had a broken leg and multiple wounds. We had fallen like 30 feet out of a tree. Mm-hmm. And I sat with him for five days while the rest of my crew went up the hill and did the observation they were supposed to be doing. And it's 110 degrees there, you know. And I had two bottles of water for five days. And uh, I was probably dying of thirst but didn't hurt my tongue was sick you know my lips <coughs> cracked and everything and this guy had to keep his mouth shut so he didn't scream and give us away I couldn't carry him anywhere I couldn't t- let him go home I, he had a right. broken leg no one came looking for him so I sat with him for five days he we went through epilepsy bleeding from his gums his mouth his ears you know, puking blood shitting blood just terrible terrible things and he eventually died and expired after the fifth day. <coughs> and that's when my mates came down the hill. And I stopped catching snakes for a year after that. Yeah. It, it really frightened me. And uh, since then, I've lost four or five friends to snake bite. <coughs> and uh, each one of them makes my knees go quite weak. It, uh, it's a very, very frightening frightening thing to happen to somebody. And uh, it's it what it does, it just makes me a better snake catcher. Yeah. I start using tools. I use the right tongs. I do everything by procedure. I don't change my rules at all.
0: Right.
1: And uh, so far, touch wood, it's been kept this safe. I've been catching now for 39 years. I think mm. I'm now 55. I've uh, been doing this a while. And I had no bites at all. Uh, to, you know, to
0: That's out. rare for, a, for a, a venomous keeper. I, I yeah. don't know a lot that haven't been nailed at least once if they've been in it for yeah. a long I, time.
1: I've been very lucky. I mean, they've hit everywhere. I've got my lucky... Rhino horn bangle I got when I was sixteen it was put on me by my witch doctor who said I'd never get bitten by a snake. The venomous snake is so far so good, but, well, you know. I'm I'm pretty well protected. What's there's
0: next on the horizon for you out there in terms of uh, movies or TV stuff?
1: What What is on the horizon? Yeah. Um, well, I've got uh, a couple of things in the in the pipes. There's a, there's one that's called um, uh, Salvation on Sand Mountain. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, uh, has a lot of people doing uh, the dancing around the the worshippers, the snake worshippers in uh, Virginia and Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Um, There's another one, no snakes involved, uh, just called Balls of Fury. That's coming up. That's mostly just crickets and chickens. (laughs) Okay. Whatever the job takes. Right? Puts, the, puts the food on the table. That's right. That's what it's all about. Hollywood's that's number one cricket wrangler. You know, that's what the snakes on the plane is all about. So I know that some people are concerned about, you know, oh, my God, the pilot's never going to let any adult you fine. You know, they didn't uh, stop sailing ships when the Poseidon and the Titanic went
0: down. You know? And and if people knew how many snakes were on planes right now. Oh, yeah.
1: You know, that's what's so funny. I mean, I, I just uh, went to the Bahamas with some cobras mm-hmm. and, uh, You know, they have to be in a bag, in a bag, in a box, in a box. Mm -hmm. And uh, as long as you're a known shipper, Mm -hmm. you know, and you do it properly, don't try and Mickey Mouse it, just do it properly, and Delta's fine with it, you know. Yeah. They don't even ask any questions. They say, great, fine. How's it packed? Say, in a bag, in a bag, in a box, in a box, sealed with, you know, steel bands. Good, thank you. Next, you know. So there's no problem with that stuff. even when the movie comes out, people are just, it's tongue-in-cheek, you know. Yeah. It's a fun movie to work on. I I imagine
0: you get to have a lot of fun
1: experiences like that. But it's something I really enjoy. Um, You know, people say, are you ever going to retire? And I go, no. I don't know what the hell I'd do if I retired. I'd still be doing snakes. I may as well stay stay working, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's something, you know, you can't beat experience. And I've been doing this a long time. So so far, I seem to be one of the most experienced snake wranglers in the business, you know, which is fine. I get a lot of work because of that.
0: Well, Jules, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule with us today. I know you've got some other interviews uh, to get get to. Uh, I'm sure our, guest, our, our our listeners would love to have you back as a guest uh, in the future. I'll
1: back, Jeff, anytime.
0: Okay. Well, you have a good day, and we appreciate your time. Cheers, sure, Jeff. Thanks, man. And that's it. Bye-bye. All right. I'll